0: You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast
1: on the NBA Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. What's up? What's up? This is Raphael from the NBA Draft Junkies. You're listening to Locked On NBA Draft. I have two special guests today. I was a guest on their show, so it was only right to bring them on. I love their insight. I love talking draft with them. And today... With my guests from Draft Deeper, we're going to discuss the big man prospects in the 2021 NBA Draft. And my guests are Nathan Grubel and Cole Miller. What's up, guys? How are you today?
0: I'm doing well, man. I I, I certainly appreciate having you on, and I'm excited to discuss some of the big men in the draft. I'm I'm fresh off of a two-hour podcast about some guards, so I'm perfectly fine to mix it up a little bit.
2: Okay, so now you're based in Philly, correct? Or the Philly area?
0: Yes, sir. So is so is Cole. That's that's the root of our friendship. That's the root of us working together. Yeah, we're based out of the Philly area.
2: Are you Sixers fans by any chance?
0: Oh, uh, We have to be.
2: <laughs> well, your team is doing well, and I haven't really seen a lot of rumors outside of Kyle Lowry possibly going to Philly. So are you guys looking forward to the, the deadline tomorrow? Are you nervous? Are you looking for upgrades? What's your thoughts on that so far?
1: I'm definitely looking forward to it. I don't know about you, Nate, but now that Maury's in charge, I just feel like things are a lot more safe in the regard that I can trust the improvements will be made if they see fit. Um, And if not, then, you know, we're going to roll with this team and hope for the best because there is a good thing going on right now. Uh, They've been leading the Eastern conference all year, Uh, but I I think I'm pretty excited.
0: I'm excited too, because Kyle Lowry is definitely someone I'd love to have him come home to the Sixers. I, I have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with Kyle Lowry. I don't think I, I loved his shot selection in some of those. When, when he first got up to Toronto, some of those early years there, him and DeMar, I thought that sometimes they, they shot the team out of some playoff games a little bit, but he, he's really reigned in his game, and he's obviously a mature leader at the point guard spot. That's something that the Sixers really need, so I'd be, I'd be ecstatic if they were able to pull that off.
2: I imagine Maxi has to be part of that package
0: for Lowry. He he I you think he'd have to be, but I I Cole and I made it a point on, on one of our shows that man, he'd be a great mentor for for Maxi. Kyle Lowry would be.
2: I just can't see Masai not wanting uh <laughs> Maxi in return. But we could probably talk about, you know, basketball all day and we got a, a short window to discuss everything. So like I mentioned earlier in this episode, I want to talk about the The big man prospects, you know, I kind of broken it up into three. The first uh, episode I did, I I broke it down into point guards. The second ones, I labeled it wings and things. And I haven't come up with a creative name yet. But we'll start off with Evan Mobley, who is, unless anybody has like a, a completely different take, the number one big prospect in this draft. And he's coming off a strong game against Kansas. So just wanted to ask you guys, where do you have him at? on your draft board. I imagine he's in the top five. I've seen him as low as four. I've seen him number two and, you know, maybe even number one. So what are your thoughts on Evan Mobley?
0: Cole, you want to, you want to take Mobley first?
1: Yeah, sure. So I have Mobley squarely in my top five. Um, I haven't solidified my top five yet, Um, but the, the rare blend of face up ability uh, and size, I think is just something you can't really pass up on. Um, And so I think, I'll leave it there, and you can get into why you think you should be uh, top five on your board uh, from a skill standpoint.
0: Sure, I mean Mo- Mobley, as you laid out, Rafael. He's he's one of the most special prospects we have in this draft class, regardless of position. And you're you're seeing a lot of the discourse shift more towards this than when I had brought up the point like towards the beginning of the season. But I I said from the start, you need to get this kid on the Anthony Davis development plan as quick as possible. And and I saw that you, you agreed with me on that sentiment earlier today on Twitter, but it's true. Like other than the fact that he doesn't have the same body type as Anthony Davis doesn't have the, the, those broad shoulders that AD had, he's probably not going to pack on muscle the same way at the same time, everything he does from a skills perspective, it's all there. Now, I question how impactful he's going to be as like a, a true low post scorer. Right. But at the same time, everything in the NBA nowadays, especially from like that four spot, it's a lot of face up catch, turn, pivot, and then kind of go into your attack from there. And Mobley has proven now at USC, he he's, he's become a three level scorer whether people want to fully admit that or not, he's extended his range all the way out to the three-point line. And I think that can translate actually relatively quickly when he gets to the NBA. I see absolutely nothing wrong with his shooting stroke. His mechanics look really solid to me. So when you talk about everything he's able to do when he faces somebody up, he's able to take them off the bounce. You combine that with his passing vision, being able to find guys on the move. Like you, you just, uh, probably other than another guy we're probably going to talk about today, Scotty Barnes. You don't really see any other bigs in this draft class with that kind of vision and that kind of upside offensively. And then, I mean, Raphael, I'll let you talk about his defense, but that's also an area that we, <laughs> I haven't even scratched on yet. I was just bloviating about his offense.
2: Yeah, I agree hundred percent. I know me and my brother did a podcast about a week ago and it was pretty much an entire podcast on Evan Mobley and correct me if I'm wrong and you can agree or disagree, I feel like at the same stage of their careers, I feel like Mobley has shown more skill set than Anthony Davis did. And maybe that's because, you know, at Kentucky, you you always hear stories about Kyle holding guys back and and Kentucky players not being able to showcase their full, you know, skill set, everything that they can do. But based off what I've seen, I feel like Mobley is more advanced than AD on the offensive end. Do you agree or disagree?
0: I definitely agree. And I think he's probably a lot more comfortable showcasing some of those different skill sets in the body that he's in now, because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but Mobley's been a bigger guy for a while, right? Like Anthony Davis had that growth spurt and granted he was a guard. So he grew up prioritizing guard type skills, which I never
2: saw at Kentucky. I never <laughs> saw, <laughs> you know, wait, wait.
0: I- other than like a few pull-up jumpers, like we're talking about rarely at, at Kentucky. I agree. You didn't really see a lot of that stuff, but he was also growing into his body, getting more comfortable with, the responsibilities of a big man and what Calipari was asking him to do because he was this 6'11 big, this shot-blocking monster on defense and and trying to mold him into more of a low-post player, introducing him to that part of his game on offense that you didn't really see AD prioritize any of the skills he might have had in his bag even at that point because of his days growing up as a guard. But Mobley's been more comfortable in his body. He's been that big for longer, so I think that's given him more of a a confident – green light to showcase more of that at USC and and yeah in terms of what he's been able to show off he's definitely shown off more than we ever saw from AD of Kentucky. Yep
2: what are your thoughts Cole on the comparison?
1: Yeah Yeah, no I I think you're pretty right on there to say that Mobile is definitely more skilled at this age than Anthony Davis was. but I think Davis was also a true 18 year old coming into college correct me if I'm wrong there um but at the same time, I think the trade-off there is that Anthony was also coming in, like coming into his own as a ferocious athlete by the time he was finished at Kentucky as well. And Mobley just doesn't have that level of um, elite, ferocious, ferocious physical package that Anthony Davis did and still kind of does uh, when he wants to really show it off. Um, but I think the comparison from a, from a skill set standpoint is, is there, and I think Mobley can be that le- level of prolific offensive talent.
2: I agree 100 percent. And I, I know we're we're on the same page, especially with the Anthony Davis development plan. I want to say they're probably like similar size as far as weight um, going into the draft. And I think that if Mobley can gradually add on weight like Davis did, because Davis is probably what, like 240, 250 now, maybe but he was probably what, like 210 when he entered the draft. So he's filled out nicely, but it, it, it is, it's been gradually. Now he's dealt with quite a few injuries and bumps and bruises along the way. But I mean, if Mobley has an Anthony Davis type impact or career, then it's definitely a, a big time success.
0: Absolutely. Like that, that's exactly why everybody needs to be prioritizing taking him with a top three pick. If not, The top overall pick there's going to be competition as teams get these guys in for workouts. We we might see Evan Mobley jump over somebody else to go up to number one who knows but as I mentioned before then everything we're talking about offensively when you factor in his defense his ability being probably one out of like three maybe four bigs in this draft class who could potentially guard one through five that is so incredibly useful in today's NBA. Like he is so comfortable on the perimeter and defending in space. Like y- you never get the feeling that somebody's getting around them easily, or even if he's like lurking anywhere close to a shooter, like he has a chance to even block like a pull up mid range shot or a three point shot because of how much space he can cover so quickly between his quickness and his length. Like, Man, I, we, we could probably talk about Evan Mobley as, as you did on your own episode for, for quite a while, but yeah, they're, they're, they, he leaves me speechless sometimes.
2: Yep, and speaking of defense, in our next segment, we'll talk about two other players that I feel like have the potential to be all defensive team players in the NBA. Have you guys heard about sport trade? It's where fantasy sports meets the stock market. This is amazing. Sport trade takes fantasy to the next level. It's like Robin Hood for fantasy sports. Their platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players just like real stocks. Finally, a fair and exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports. Making money with Sport Trade is simple as player values rise and fall based on two factors. One, their statistical performance in each game as compared to their projected fantasy points in that game. The more points scored, the higher their value goes. Two, The good old supply and demand baby. The more demand a player has, the higher their value goes. When you're ready to buy shares, pick that penny stock in the rookie with the huge upside or grab that blue chip vet who's always a solid performer. Instantly buy and sell as many shares and as many players as you like, just like the stock market. Then watch your players battle and your portfolio rise. Simply go to sporttrade.com and watch the how it works video and then sign up to get started. Now, for me personally, I have absolutely very little knowledge of the stock market. And even though my friends told me I should be involved and and, and learn about stocks, I just haven't been able to find time to really, or even just want to take the interest in it. But I'm such a big sports junkie. I'll do sport trade before I actually do the real stock market. You know, I guess you can say my priorities may not be in the right place. But sign up today at sporttrade.com and discover the fun, exciting, and profitable new world of sports trading. This is truly the evolution of fantasy sports. You'll be amazed. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer. Get in the game at sporttrade.com. There's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use that promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost Anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bet, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code on. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with Locked On Podcast today. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Right, right, you're listening to Locked On NBA Draft. This is Rafael Barlow with my guest, Draft Deeper, two guys that, like I mentioned before, love their insight. So now... I wanted to pick their brain and get their thoughts on Scotty Barnes and his NBA fit. It's not a, well, I put it like this on the defensive end of the floor. We know what he brings to the table. There may be some concerns about him on offense, but first of all, give me your thoughts on his defensive potential.
0: Cole, you love Scotty Barnes. You got to jump in on this one right away.
1: Yeah. So he's got potential on both sides of the ball, but uh, for defense only, Synergy has him at 75th percentile uh, and I think that's pretty outstanding for a freshman and I know Florida State is filled with athletes that are long and, and interchangeable but he really uh, stands out when you watch this team he's willing to take on every ball handler and he is he swallows them up he's an impressive physical uh you know, he's an imposing physical athlete at six nine and with his length and his uh, mobility and ability to slide his feet so He's a tremendous on-ball defender and he's, he keeps his head on a squibble. So he's going to show up on, you know, in passing lanes, help side plays because he he, read, he reads the game so well. Uh, so I think he's got potential to be quite the team defender at the next level and, and really kind of an anchor, uh, not, not necessarily a rim protector anchor, but just kind of a guy that holds together a team's defense because he's so well or he's so able to, you know, lock down the ball handler or just play in space and keep everybody afloat. So I think defense is going to be something that keeps him on the floor early in his NBA career and his offense will come around but he's he's got some intriguing offensive ability as well.
2: So where do you have him on your board? Like I feel like in most cases everyone's top 5 is pretty much the same and then at 6 that's where you know it gets a little tricky. So do you have him as a top 10 pick would you be comfortable selecting him at number 6 or do you think the offense is So far behind that you wouldn't have them that high in the draft because, you know, in today's NBA, even though there's supposed to be an emphasis on defense, it's offense that that really gets that mean that sells tickets. And if you're not a good offensive player, then you become a liability no matter how great you are on defense. So does that factor into where you have them on your board?
1: It does. Uh, it does generally speaking for every prospect, but I think for Scotty it might be a little less uh, this time around just because and so admittedly i I most recently told Nate that I have Scotty Fifth on my board right now. I actually uh, pushed man to six and I have Scotty uh, number five
2: there's I, there there's the hot take I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it, but I, yeah. I got it. so I definitely have to have you on again to talk about <laughs> that so.
1: Sorry. Yeah, so Sorry, without, um, without stealing too much more time here, I just think um, as, as much as he is like the same as the anchor on defense, he is kind of the same type of anchor in a different way on offense. Um, and again, without stealing too much stutter, he was in the 93rd percentile on offense, including assists, which is outstanding for a guy of his size and position. Um, at 1.32.6 points per possession um, to just put him against some guys in his own class. Cade was in the sixty first sixty first percentile in this regard, and Jaden Suggs was in the 87th percentile in this regard. So, um, and the last guy for Florida State that was the main ball handler, Terrence Mann, he was in the ninety second percentile, and I think we're going to see him show up in the NBA as you know as a really good off you know secondary ball mover, playmaker for you know for superstar type players. And so I think Scotty Barnes has a future, uh, you know, playmaking for for maybe the entire offense down the road.
0: This is why Cole's my co-pilot, man. You hear all that info he just brought us? Come on, man.
2: Yeah, I mean, and it kind of left me with not much to add to it because he covered all the bases there. So now I want to talk to you about Isaiah Jackson. And I feel like out of all the Kentucky prospects, um, he definitely wasn't considered a lottery pick coming into this season, which I think because of his defense and his shot blocking and just his raw athleticism, I think he's put his name in the category of being mentioned as a lottery pick. So what are your thoughts on Isaiah Jackson?
0: So my, the, the first like two weeks of the season, I made sure that I prioritized watching all of like the quote unquote main draft picks or or guys you think would be coming out of the draft. A lot of those topics, like they're, they're all their first like two to three games. Right. Mm -hmm. And after that, I had a podcast where I kind of laid out like 10 to 11 guys that I thought were, had the chance to be like surefire lottery picks in this upcoming draft. And Isaiah Jackson was part of that at the time. Now he kind of fell off my radar a little bit as the season started to go on past the first like handful of games. I think a lot of that was due to him getting in a little too much foul trouble and he'd be off the court in so many of Kentucky's games where he didn't get to showcase some of the stuff in his bag, at least offensively, that he was able to showcase later on as the season went. Like, you, you started to see him hitting, hitting some dribble jumpers. Uh, he was doing a little bit more of the post, being a little more confident. But obviously, as you wanted to talk about the segment being defense, he was in the 91st percentile on defense in the country. That That's his bread and butter, his athleticism, his length, he probably, he, he has to be up there in like the terms of like top athletes in this draft class. He has to be up in like the top three to five, regardless of position. So that absolutely factors in, but his steal rates, his block rates, he, he is a very rare prospect. Now, to me, he doesn't have the, the, the body, I don't think, to build the strength base that's going to be necessarily to compete full-time in the post but a really good stat you have to take note of was in defending in isolations. He was excellent. And to me, when you're thinking about Isaiah Jackson's athletic package, his ability to recover, defend multiple positions, defend in space. If you can get a guy who can extend his jump shot that we saw pretty clean mechanics on towards the end of the year, if you can get him to extend that out to three point range, and then you factor in everything he can do, defending multiple positions, defending in isolation on islands, not necessarily being forced to play in the post all the time, a versatile defensive weapon who could potentially stretch the floor. That's what every NBA team's looking for. So, I mean, you, I, I feel a little bit silly not moving him kind of back up to, to where I thought he originally could be at the start of the year, given all that.
2: Well, he got better throughout the year. I know, like, his breakout game, was it, was it the Kansas game where he had eight blocks? I don't know uh, exactly. I know he had an eight-block game. I want to say it was, like, the third game of the season – And like maybe the first 10 or 12 games, he was under 10 points. But I feel like at mid-February, you started to see like his offensive game coming together. He had a few double-doubles. He had an 18-point game, 15, 16. So I feel like offensively, he grew from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. And again, a guy that averages like four and a half blocks per 36 minutes is – is, is going to be impressive especially when you consider the fact that he can slide his feet and and you know defend multiple positions so I think that he has a chance to to be in the lottery
0: absolutely I, I don't disagree with that one bit Cole I don't know if you had any other thoughts to throw in there about him being a potential lottery guy I know that the ESPN guys moved him for I think he's like number 11 on their most recent top 100 so they have him firmly in the lottery Cole, I don't know where you're at on that
1: yeah so I- Jackson's probably the guy I had to do the most research on leading up to this show. Um, so this might be a little bit of recency bias, but I'm in, I, I'm in love with him. He's, he's kind of what I wish Greg Brown did throughout the course of the year, and Jackson did it. So uh, I'm definitely going to hitch my ride to that, seeing as this, these are kind of my type. Um, but just to put an exclamation point on what you were saying about his growth throughout the year there, Raphael. In his last seven, he, uh, he was averaging 13.3 a game. Um, On seven rebounds a game. And he attempted 42 free throws in his last seven games, which was basically half of his entire attempts all year. So he was definitely more aggressive getting to the rim, perhaps even getting, you know, realizing his athleticism will keep defenders off balance and start to unlock that, you know, uh, ability to get to the free throw line that I think he will start to realize in time at the NBA. I I think the sky's the limit for Isaiah Jackson when it comes to his off the dribble game going forward. It's going to take some time, but I think it could be in there.
2: Yeah, I I agree. And it's kind of a perfect segue because when we return, we'll talk about the two guys from Texas, Greg Brown and Kai Jones, and I'll get Draft Deeper's thoughts on where they stand as NBA prospects. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for the auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have Everything from engine control modules and brake parts, to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and very easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and the prices you prefer. Best of all, Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do it yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. We have been telling you about Built Bar. The best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on every bar. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. And in today's matchup, we have Mint Brownie versus Coconut Puff. Me, personally, I'm putting all my money on Mint Brownie. Actually, Mint Brownie is probably my favorite to win the championship. And Mint Brownie is only one win away from reaching the final four. But go to BuiltBar.com or to at Bar underscore Built on Twitter. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. How much do you really know about these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? If you want to know more, you need to subscribe to the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. Prospect scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow the locked-on NBA draft. All right, we're back. And now I'm saving the last segment to talk about two of the most, I guess, divisive big-man prospects in this draft, and they actually happen to be teammates. So I'll start with you, Nathan. Who is higher on your board, Greg Brown or Kai Jones?
0: I really thought the answer was going to be Greg Brown from the start of the season, just watching what he did in high school and the athleticism just immediately pops off your screen and I specifically remember showing Cole some of the highlights of him when, when when he was on the AAU circuit and I'm like holy cow we need to be watching out for this guy when he goes to Texas like he could he is a major athlete he could potentially be like a big riser in this draft potentially challenge like in that top 7 top 5 range but when you learn a little bit more about his backstory how he he came into the game of basketball late you kind of got this sense that, okay, it was going to take him some time to learn more of the nuances about the game of basketball, and it was going to take up a little bit of time to develop. So he came along a little bit slower this year than I think a lot of us probably would have liked, and that has in turn dropped him down some people's boards. Now, I don't think that that should necessarily be a total indictment on what we should expect from him eventually in the NBA, but it's clearly going to take him a little more time. Kai Jones, on the other hand, played one year at Texas and had what I would consider to be, as, as well as others, a breakout sophomore campaign, not necessarily showing too much more than what he actually got to showcase in his freshman year for Texas, if you go back and, and watch some things. But his, his poise his maturity in terms of choosing when to take some of those outside shots that you started to see him hit with regularity, combine that with his defensive impact, his ability to rotate, defend multiple positions, defend in space, block at the weak side block. To me, the thing that stands out to Kai, about Kai Jones the most is his footwork. I don't think there's any other big in this draft class that has the same level of footwork that Kai Jones has like you you can watch a highlight of this dude like Euro stepping for crying out loud at like 6'11 size like that to me is insane like when did we ever start getting big men prospects who could do that like on the regular like rip a really rip a rebound take it down the full court and transition and then if he's even there with there's like two defenders that got back really well established themselves he's able to like euro step through traffic and still finish at the rim like that that is really special
2: yeah he's a unique prospect as As unique as prospect as there is in this draft, his game is still, like, to me, visually, I mean, I'll just be honest, ugly. (laughs) That's in my my notes. I I have all the stuff that you mentioned, good athlete, fluid, moves like a wing, plays with motor, energy, runs the floor, upside as a shooter. But then when I go to my negatives, I have raw, ugly game, and his basketball IQ. What are your thoughts on his his uh, upside? Because like right, like I said, he's raw. But what are your thoughts on his upside and his basketball IQ? I,
0: I mean, I, I posed a, a good upside comparison for him. And if, if this would turn out to be true, I think an NBA team would be ecstatic. I think he could become like a Chris Boucher type. In the NBA, somebody who's not necessarily a full time starter, but if you bring him in off the bench because of his shooting upside, he adds another dimension to the offense. And then everything you're getting from him defensively complement a second unit and make sure that that second unit's not tanking the game defensively. And then you can kind of go back to your starters or whoever you have as a starting big man. And with some of that shooting potential, maybe you even want him closing some games, depending on the matchup. If he doesn't have to be bullied on the block by someone who's going to be a lot more physical. Cause all that cold talk about a little bit of that as well. Like to me, that's our biggest concern is his body where yeah. we're not necessarily confident in how much muscle he's going to be able to put on in the right way. He, he's one of those guys that feels like an NBA team might expect a little more out of him too soon. And they might try to bulk him up a little too quickly. And as we all know, sitting here, we're, we've all been around the game enough. If you do that, that's when you really run risk of injury, especially for guys at that size. So that that's our main concern.
2: Yep. What are your thoughts, Cole?
1: Yeah, Nate touched on it there. The body's always been a concern for me with Kai Jones. Um, it's it's what would hold me back the most from drafting him uh, and wanting him to play as a five, but almost even as a four, as, as the fours get more athletic and, and, and sturdy. I mean, If we're going to have guys like Jeremy Grant and Isaiah Jackson playing the four, I still think they're going to be more physically imposing than Kai Jones. I could be wrong about that, Um, they're just, they just seem more like wound up and and sinewy, like they could bowl him over. Uh, but I almost think Kai is going to take a long time to develop. Um, and I almost think he might be better off as a three. You guys kind of talked about his footwork being really impressive for the size he is. And he kind of touches in a lot of different areas of the game, kind of like a wing does. And so I almost think that might be his path, uh, eventually as being an oversized three man or three, four man. Uh, depending on the lineup, depending on the fit of his team, and just being able to pick and choose the spots like he does right now at Texas and then, you know, showcase all the things he is capable of. But I'm I'm not quite sure it ever comes together just because of the body.
2: Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned Boucher, Nate. I have him as this weird hybrid of Boucher and Siakam. (laughs) So I see like a little combination of both. He's a lot younger than Boucher was when Boucher entered the league. I want to say he's probably like what, 24 and 25 or something like that his rookie year. Yeah, but the I,
0: thing about Siakam though is that that, that kind of plays more to, to Cole's point as well though. Is like the way the Raptors use him, they use mm-hmm. Pascal Siakam a lot as a wing. Yeah. And, and I mean, we, we had coach David Thorpe on our, on our podcast earlier. He made the great point to us that when we're evaluating talent in terms of position nowadays, you got to lock down the one and you got to lock down the five and too much is becoming interchangeable between the two and the four. So I mean, yeah, that that kind of use for him, that kind of attack, yeah, that that could be a great point.
2: So, what about his his shooting? I mean, I know the numbers look good. Are you buying his upside as a shooter?
0: I buy it just not an incredible volume. Like I I I think that that was one of the things that that gave me um, a, a lot more confidence this year is because he cut down on the number that he took and he cut down on when he was taking them. Like he, he, for the most part, unless he was absolutely forced to, he was taking them when he was wide open. So that shot selection, I think helped his percentage more than anything, any kind of mechanical change or anything else. His discipline was what really allowed that to shine through.
2: Yeah. Cause he shot 38% from three. You look at the free throw percentage, it's about 69%. And depending on how you value shooting, do you lean more towards free throw percentage or three point um, percentage? The free throw percentage wasn't bad, but you rarely see someone shooting 38% from three shoot
0: below 70% from the foul line. So any thoughts on that? Bigs are different though. Bigs are different. If, if the shot looks good from a big, you kind of just got to buy it and, and and trust it, right? Like I don't think the shot looks bad by any means. And Cole, you're more than welcome to chime in on that as well. But if it goes in, you kind of just got to let it be. Yeah, I
1: mean, I think the mechanics are mostly fine for him. Uh, he's going to have to work through whatever you know body growth he goes through the next couple of years and just realigning those mechanics. Um, but when you see him execute some of those uh, step back jumpers and, and they switch through, I think you kind of have to bet on him being at least a pretty good standstill shooter.
2: All right. Last question. Higher upside as a shooter. Kai Jones or Evan Mobley?
0: I think it's Evan Evan yeah. Mobley slam dunk.
1: Yeah, Evan Mobley, because I think he'll find mid-range opportunities eventually too.
2: Yep. Or I should say maybe higher upside as a three-point shooter. So you're still gonna go with Mobley?
0: I think it's still Mobley, but yeah, the fact that Cole even mentioned that point about mid-range scoring, like I don't ever see Kai Jones nope. necessarily like developing a pull-up mid-range game. So
2: which is weird because we just talked about his his wing skills and his car skills. Right. So it, that's why I say he's one of the most intriguing prospects for me in this draft, because there's so much to like about him. There's so much to that, that you feel like a good developmental staff could build around, especially if he goes to Toronto, I'm just a big fan of the Raptors d- developmental staff, but he's also a scary prospect for me because I wouldn't be shocked if he, goes the other way like if he doesn't come close to to his potential i don't know why but i I see like high upside and also high high bust i wouldn't consider him a safe pick by any means
0: yeah i guess the one thing that's really going to make or break that you mentioned that you don't really see him having a high basketball iq everything he does off the ball and finding ways to score off movement that is going to determine what position he can play because yeah, if he's not necessarily this otherworldly creator in terms of having the ball in his hands, again, something going from the arc and in, if at the same time, if he can be an off-ball cutter, a really solid player who recognizes everything else that's going on around him on offense, that kind of gravity he can pull, that can open things up and you can potentially play him next to two other forwards or bigs, however you want to categorize that position. But that that's really going to be the key to unlocking more of his game. And I, yeah, I share some of those hesitancies that you do, Raphael, in terms of if that's going to be a thing that can play out.
2: Yep. Well, man, I thank you and appreciate you guys for taking time to come on the show. For the people out there that are listening, where can they listen to your podcast They can or, or your website? Where can they just find Draft Deeper content?
0: So the easiest thing to do is to follow us on Twitter at Draft Deeper. I make sure that Anything and everything goes up on that social media account, but we have a Facebook page as well. And then our website drafteeper.com. We're going to be building on that as the tournament ends and we get some more things rounded into form on our end. We're going to be putting up full draft profiles, like the two that you can find on there right now about uh, Jared Butler. And then we also have one on Jalen Johnson. So definitely take a read and, and follow us on Twitter. And we appreciate any of the support Raphael Cole. And I thank you for having us on the show today.
2: Yeah, no problem. Guarantee you guys are here for me more, especially as we get closer to draft time. Again, I, I love your content. I love your insight. So I definitely want to have you as a recurring guest. So once again, Miss Raphael, Locked On NBA Draft. Got my guys from Draft Deeper, and we are out. Well, that wraps up this edition of Locked On NBA Draft. Now check out Locked On NBA Draft. Tomorrow we have another host with another awesome take about the NBA Draft. Again, we have a good team of guys that just bring different perspectives, different thoughts, and different opinions on your favorite prospects. Again, this is Raphael with Locked On NBA Draft. Have a great day. See you tomorrow.